Well, this psalm, Psalm 125, it's all about dealing with insecurities. And all of us have insecurities of one kind or another, even you. And obviously, there are big insecurities in our world today. Japan. You've been following the news? And the whole Middle East and the financial thing, whatever is happening there. And so we live always in this world, whether today or a thousand years ago, with a sense of insecurity. Life is not as certain as it may seem, but particularly at this moment, it seems as if to many people, there's a lot of stuff going on. And it's hard to feel grounded and certain and secure. So how do we find that kind of security that is not arrogant? In other words, you ignore the real insecurities you feel, but you put forward a good face to the world that says, no, really, I I know exactly what's going on, and you're arrogant because really you're insecure. Or timid, that is, you sort of give in to your insecurities, but actually confident for us as individuals, but also for the society around. Psalm 125. Let's listen to God's word. Let me pray as we turn to this. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see wondrous, wondrous things in your holy law. Please do that by your Holy Spirit. It is useless for me to stand here and for us to be here unless we listen to your word, unless we hear it, unless your spirit is at work to enliven our minds, to see the truth. Father, would you do that for your glory and the good of your people? Build up our faith, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So my friends, Psalm 125, here's God's word. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. But those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. Peace be upon Israel. Now, my goal this morning as we look at this part of Scripture of of the Bible It's very simple. My goal is that you, all of us, you and me, would find complete security, real security, by trusting 
God. That's my goal. My goal is that you would find complete security by trusting God. And it's my goal because I believe it's the goal of this psalm. It's describing those who trust in the Lord are like this, that, and the other. And those who do not, the opposite. And so it's calling upon us to find the complete security we crave in this very uncertain world in the one place where it can be found, that is in God. And how do you connect yourself to God? By trust. So my goal this morning is that you would leave with a sense of that complete security, whatever the storms of your life around, whatever is going on in the news, whatever you think about the government or the state of the world or the church, or your ministry, or your family, or whatever it is, whatever is happening in your environment, you would still have complete security by connecting yourself to God and His Word and His promises for you. And that connection is trust. That's where we're going. That's what I hope to achieve. Now, a lot of people, when they read something like Psalm 125, will say to themselves, that sounds all very well, sounds good, uh, but is it actually true? Is that actually what happens? And because we tend to think like this and we confine the teaching of Psalm 125 to pious platitudes, good for Sunday, not good for the real world, What happens is our society constructs human ways of dealing with our insecurities that are understandable and have their place for sure. But if they are our ultimate security, they will not succeed in giving us that sense of security. Our trust is in the wrong place. Of course, there are appropriate human kinds of safety Uh, nets that we all have and securities that we all have and God can use those but if our ultimate loyalty and trust is in those they won't give us security because somewhere deep down we'll know they're not secure but what happens is we look at this psalm and we think well that's all very well it's a good pious platitude for Sunday but it's not much good for the rest of the week for my job my family my life let alone for Japan And so what happens is uh, we construct other kinds of human securities. Let me give you a couple of examples of what I mean. Probably every one of us has stood in line to go through a metal detector at some uh, time or other. You, You take out your keys, you unburden all the metallic items you have, you take off your shoes, you go through security. And we all know that's a good thing in many ways, and yet we all know it's not perfect. Here's another example from history. The Great Wall of China, perhaps the most famous example of this. It is thousands of miles long, 30 feet high, 18 feet thick, and it was built as security against uh, the northern invaders over many, many years. A remarkable achievement. Of course, you can... See it, as you know, from outer space, massive construction. And it was intended to be impenetrable. But, in fact, armies 
marched across it. Not by breaking this massive wall down, but by a simple tactic. They bribed the gatekeepers. And they let them through. So here's the thing. Here's, here's the lesson from this and other insecurities that we, we have. And we try to build securities in our life that are not perfect. If we put our ultimate trust there, we will know that somehow or other they will not be perfect. We can build these walls to protect us. But without the right values... Walls are as weak as the morality of the humans that guard them. Just a little bribe, the gates go open. Maybe a big bribe, but the gates still go open. Even more, without an actual trust in the living God, so not just the values, the principles, the living God, we won't be able to hold on to those values when temptation comes. However high and impressive, the walls we build, a human or an event in life can just open a gate. So this psalm is saying, instead of all that, actually the real thing in real life, the goal of this psalm and of our time together is to find this perfect security actually through trusting in the Lord. So this psalm is saying trust in God. Why? Two reasons it gives. Here they are. First, trust because God protects. So when it's talking about trust, it is dealing with this truth of God as the living God that is foundational, that is firm, that is secure, and that is certain. And it's giving a couple of reasons how we can know that as we try and combine our trust to God himself. First, because God protects. So look down with me at your Bibles and look at verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read them out again because I want your minds to replay in them the pictures that these verses are trying to communicate to us. They use picture language. They're intended to project onto your mind's eye certain pictures to deal with the tendency that we all have to build up alternative pictures from Netflix or movies or our own imagination or our own experience in our own past life, build up other pictures that dominate and cause insecurities. Instead, replace them with these pictures. So here it is. In your mind's eye, listen. And see, those who trust in the Lord are like, here's the picture. What are they like? Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. That's what people who trust in the Lord are like. Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but lasts forever. That's the first picture. We'll return to that in a moment. The other picture in verse 2 is not so much about what we're like if we trust in him, but to encourage us to trust in him by what God is like for those who do trust in him. So verse 2, as, another um, simile word, like, and then as. As, verse 2, continuing the picture language, now about what God is like, not what we're like who trust in God. As the mountains surround Jerusalem. Can you see the picture? 
surrounding Jerusalem. So the Lord, this is what he's like to those who trust him. He surrounds his people. From this time forth and forevermore. So it's calling us to trust because God protects by means of this picture language of him protecting like mountains surrounding and of us who trust in him being as firm and immovable, cannot be moved, as like Mount Zion. So there you are, you're in Jerusalem, you go up to Mount Zion, you stand there on the mountain, this citadel, which was very hard for anyone to take, it was a firm and uh, secure fortress that only David, uh, relatively late in the conquest, could actually manage to take. It's a firm citadel, so that feels secure, you're like Mount Zion. And then you look up, and in Jerusalem, you look at the mountains around, and you are secure as that, as God surrounding you. That's what it's like. When you have a picture in your mind of something terrible about to happen, replace it with that picture. Standing on Mount Zion, looking at the mountains, safe. Safe. Now, of course, trust can be hard for all of us, young and old. A young child was uh, rather frightened because there was a storm going on. And the storm was raging around and the mother came to provide comfort for the child and stood there for a while holding the child's hand. And eventually the child said, can't you spend the night in my room, mummy? The mother smiled and Kept on patting the child's hand for a little while and then said, well, I can't, my dear. I have to sleep with daddy. There was a long pause from the child and eventually he said, the big sissy. (laughs) So personally, I never feel insecure. I don't know about you. But in reality, we all do. And so we need this truth of God's word. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things about the picture language, because it's not just make-believe, it's true. One, I want you to notice that this picture language is profoundly theological. Theological. So Mount Zion is mentioned for the first time in these Psalms of Ascent, but then it occurs frequently throughout them. So you get Psalm 126, 128, 129, 132, 133, and 134. Zion is important. It's important to the Psalms of Ascent. It's important to God's Word. What is Zion? Well, Zion was this fortress, mountain, citadel that David first captured for the Israelites. It then came to refer to the whole of Jerusalem by Synecdoche, as uh, uh, one of Calvin's favorite words was. That is, here's Zion, and then it referred to the whole place which was around it by connection. And then in the New Testament, to the heavenly Jerusalem. That's how it's used in the book of Hebrews and Revelation. You have come to Mount Zion, Hebrews says, chapter 12. That is to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Or Revelation chapter 14 says, Behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, this heavenly vision. So what's going on here? This psalm is not just saying that those who trust in the Lord are like a very big firm mountain. No. It is saying 
those people who trust in the Lord are now connected, they are equated with God's people. There's an equal sign between those who trust and Mount Zion. God's people and their eternal destiny. So those who trust are like Mount Zion because in trusting they become a part of God's people and associate themselves for the first time or again with those certain secure promises that are true for God's people. For you as an individual, now is true by connection with the whole story of God's people. So it's not just simply a still frame, this reference to Zion. It's a pause button on the movie, if you like, of the story of God's people. The whole theological story of God's people that is going somewhere to the new heaven and the new earth. Now, the author of this psalm did not have that whole story. And we, of course, only have it as we look ahead with the truth of God's word about it. But at their best... The Israelites understood that it was going towards the Messiah and even the new heaven, the new earth. And so as we look forward also to that, we can see that we can be secure because we know how the story is going to end. It's a theological point. That's what it means to be like Mount Zion. But I also want you to see that not only is it theological to have this complete security, because it is theological, it is practical. It's no good going to the practical without first going to the theological. But because it is theological, it is eminently practical. So you see a word like Zion, you trace the use of that word throughout the Bible, fine. But then you also need to ask, how does that practically apply to someone whose livelihood is being threatened? Who feels very much as they as if they have been moved because of the shaking land of the earthquake around them. It is real. It is difficult. How does that apply to that? Well, it must have applied. The psalmist singing this gospel song up to Jerusalem would have been threatened in the ancient world. It was not easy to travel. It would have been sung again, perhaps, when they were threatened, when they were trying to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem in the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. So it was very practical. How? Because this is how the theological truth becomes practical for us and for them and for us. Because it helps us see beyond our immediate circumstances to find security through trusting God because now we see the big picture of where it is all going. Now I've got an illustration for this that I think is helpful. So if you've ever been to a circus and you've watched a trapeze artist, you will know that there's a pause between the flyer letting go and the catcher catching. So as the flyer lets go, he has to hold himself absolutely still and wait, trusting for the catcher to catch him. He doesn't try and catch the catcher. He lets go, stays still, and waits to be caught. What enables that very real trust to take place? Practice. So when something goes wrong in your life, some financial family situation, whatever it is, as a Christian, we are, as it were, momentarily flying, (laughs) if you like. 
we're in the gap, that pause between letting go, it seems, from all our securities, to then being caught by the catcher. And what enables us to trust at that moment and to be, as it were, like Mount Zion, the truth of God's word. So the Apostle Paul famously says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How do you build up your faith? Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So that gap between the flyer letting go and the catcher catching can be either the most terrifying, horrible, insecure place to be or it can be the most exciting even exhilarating place to be, depending on what is going on in our mind. And that depends on what we have fed our mind, whether the insecurities of our culture or our environment or our society or the certainties of God's word. If it is the latter, the certainties of God's word, God's truth, the storyline of the whole Bible fulfilled in Jesus Christ, the promises that we find in Scripture that we hold on to, if it is the latter, the certainties of God's word, the gap between letting go and being caught again can be Christian testimony tells time and time again. It can be almost like the simple joy of a child being thrown in the air by an exuberant dad. You see the face of the child when that happens. There's a momentary surprise, isn't there? The dad comes home, grabs the child, throws them in the air. And then they're caught again. And what happens then? Delighted giggles. If you really inside believe it's your father who's in control of it all, Sovereign over it all. He's grabbing you, throwing you in the air. Teaching you, what, what is the father teaching that child then? That he is reliable and safe. Your father, your heavenly father is teaching you that he is reliable and safe. If you fed your mind with the truth of God's word, you're thrown in the air and then you're caught again. That's what's on offer this morning from this psalm, even when you're flying. So God protects. But the psalmist also says, this is the second truth here, uh, God predicts. This is the second half of the psalm. It goes from verse uh, 3 on. Let me read it to us again as well. So you can see how it is looking towards the future now. And that sense of predict the future. Four, so it's explaining, this is beginning of verse three, four, and now it's looking towards the future perspective, four, the scepter of wickedness shall not rest on the land allotted to the righteous, lest the righteous stretch out their hands to do wrong. So that's a wonderful promise. Then comes a plea in the light of that promise about the prediction, the future. Is the plea, do good, O Lord, to those who are good and to those who are upright in their hearts. Now, I want you to notice about that, that being good is connected to being upright in heart. 
So it's not merely external, it's internal. And so it's a parallel truth to those who trust. In other words, faith, trust, if real, changes lives. That trust leads from the inside out, from a changed disposition, upright in heart, to a changed behavior, goodness. So in saying do good to those who are good, the psalmist, what is he doing? He is clinging to the promise that God has already made to those who trust him, made already earlier in the psalm. He has already made to those who trust him, who are upright in heart, and therefore who do good, that they would be Secure as God has promised. Then the psalm predicts what will happen to those who do not trust, who are not upright in heart, are not changed by that internal disposition to an external behavior, but those who turn aside to crooked ways. So the opposite of trust is not here doubt. It is crookedness. Because you cannot uh, doubt something that you have no faith in at all. You're doubting it. It's not that you don't have any faith in it. No, the opposite of trust is this crookedness. It is suspicion of God's intentions, which are the crooked ways that the psalm refers to. This inevitably leads, in the end, to evil behavior, just as trust does, inevitably, to good behavior. Those who turn aside to crooked ways, this suspicion, crooked ways, lack of trust, the Lord will lead away with evildoers. That's where it's going. And then the psalm finishes with the security, the peace, that such, uh, the trust, that such trust uh, uh, creates, and which is the psalm's goal, our goal this morning, peace be upon Israel. So it's predicting what's going to happen, and thereby calling us to trust. The story goes, apocryphal or not, that a man called Robert Jeweller in 1961 decided to re-preach Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Except Robert Jeweller decided that this sermon needed updating for the more um, contemporary scene at the time, And so he changed the title of the sermon to Seekers Who Lack Self-Esteem in the Hands of a Full-Esteem God. The famous part of Edwards' sermon, of course, contains language about a spider hanging by mere thread over the pit of God's judgment. And Edwards' sermon is pretty intense, to say the least. One point he preaches, you have offended him infinitely more than ever a stubborn rebel did his prince. And yet it is nothing but his hand that holds you from falling into the fire every moment. Very strong, yet also very gracious, showing us that it is God's good hand that gives us the time to trust, to turn from our crooked ways. But Jeweler decided that the spider analogy was not very good for the 1960s. And so he amended the sermon, as he preached it, as follows. This was the analogy he used as the story goes. Somewhere in the forest, a butterfly 
was beautifying a rose by posing atop its petals. Her wings flapping to an unheard tune, the trees seemed to be swaying too. A bee was humming to the melody of nature's symphony as he dipped inside a wonderfully painted forest flower that seemed delighted to have such a distinguished visitor. Bluebirds were singing, crickets chirping, and a possum was laughing in the gentle breeze. Heaven seemed to be saying, you're the most important creature in the woodlands. Yes, you, and you, and you, with the compound eyes. Most preachers rarely go as far as Jula today. But they also rarely go as far as Edwards. Or indeed, verse 5 of Psalm 125. Yet that is part of trusting God too. It is security to trust God. It is insecurity not to. We have to trust him that he knows what is the right thing to do. Here's how you know whether you are trusting God at this moment. Whether your life in the midst of the storm is like Mount Zion, solid and immovable. Yeah, there's a storm, but you You know that truth, and so that's where you are. Or whether you are shaken by every whisper of breeze, fearing it is the premonition of the end and the storm that is to come. So the scepter of the wicked may rule for a while over the land allotted to the righteous, but not for long. And so those who trust God secure themselves with this thought. The end is coming. And so they do not take the law into their own hands, but trust God with his final vindication. Immovable, resolute, dependable, firm, secure, like a rock, like a mountain, with storms of rain lashing against it. So are the righteous, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in his way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. But those who trust cannot be moved, for their trust is in line with God's truth. With all the liberalization of society that our recent history has been through, without a firm moral framework, we either go towards chaos or dictatorship. And Western society hovers between the two. With God's truth, God's storyline. It's not just a story, but it's a plan that's coming into being for his people. 
And so those who trust him are unshakable, unflappable, immovable, strong, and resolute. Because even when buildings shake all around, they're building their lives upon an eternal foundation, which is unshakable. See, that's why so many people today are drifting. They lack that foundation. John Cage, the composer who died in 1991 and was one of the most influential composers of the modern era, wrote music by tossing coins, random chance uh, being the aim. And according to the New Yorker, he was proposing the complete overthrow of the most basic assumptions of modern art since the Renaissance. In Stony Point, Rockland County, 40 miles from New York, he lived and worked in an attic in a farm and there noticed the many different types of mushrooms. And so he developed a great interest in these and became a mycologist, an expert in mushrooms with a massive, extensive private library. Cage said this, I became aware that if I approached mushrooms in the spirit of my chance operations, I would die shortly. So I decided I would not approach them that way. Francis Schaeffer commented about this. In other words, here is a man who's trying to teach the world what the universe intrinsically is and what the real philosophy of life is. And yet he cannot even apply it to picking mushrooms. All that philosophy of random chance, of the world being a cut and thrust place where there is no certainty, all that is not the truth. Instead, here is the truth. Complete security is trusting God because God protects and God predicts the future. So the here and now may be insecure, but the long-term dividends are certain. So we can have security now in the light of what is to come. Those who trust him in those moments of flying with their apparent safety gone beneath them are actually like the child being thrown happily by his father to land happily in his arms. Those who do not trust but who are are not upright in heart, who are crook in their way, suspicious of his intentions, can never feel secure. Don't be like that. Don't look around and say, it's all random, it's a vicious, horrible world where there is no security. Yes, of course, terrible things happen. We live in a fallen world, of course. The wicked sometimes rule with their scepter of power for a season. Yes, but it will not last. God has a sovereign plan. For those who trust then in God, even the vilest terrors will be as short-lived as a flying in the air before being caught again by your heavenly Father. All to teach us to trust him now and forever where there is perfect security. 
The evildoer does not do that, does not trust God. May feel secure right now with their walls around their life, but in the end, it's going nowhere good. Not so the righteous. They trust in God. They are like Mount Zion. The Lord surrounds them. They are secure. They are at peace. May that be so for you today. Let's pray together. Just a moment of quiet to bring before God your insecurities, family, work, government, world news. In the sanctuary, the safe place. Father, would you replace those insecurities with the security of who you are as the sovereign God who has a plan for his people so that even if now it feels like everything is taken away we're flying in the air with no security we know that behind that is the loving heavenly father teaching us to trust him, the catcher who will catch us in his loving arms. Show us that in you and give us that complete security by trusting in you, we pray.